dark I dive in Hope comes and stops us in our tracks Bravely we prove in our striving Trudging together each day Where there's a will, there's a way Hello everyone and welcome to Raw Recovery with Dion Miller. It is Friday and today's edition features Doreen. Doreen was brought to us um, through our promoter, Jill. Um, Doreen and Jill were in C-Car uh, class together last January. Um, most currently, uh, Doreen is a peer support. Uh, she does peer support through NAMI, uh, helping helping uh, run those groups and the, and the peer peer groups. But the reason that we have Doreen on today is to bring us alcoholics or addicts um, another side another side to this. So Doreen herself is not an addict, but that doesn't mean she's not in recovery, guys. Okay, anybody can be in recovery. All right, it's just depend on recovery from what. So her focus really here today is to focus on the, on what happens with the family. Um, and things like that. So we're going to get a little bit of a different perspective. Uh, Doreen, thank you for coming on the show today. Um, welcome. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Certainly. Certainly. Um, so let's get let's get started. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? All right. Uh, well, I have two boys. Uh, okay. They're currently 18 and 21. All right. And um, as you said, I'm not the one in substance abuse recovery. I mm -hmm. certainly am in, in recovery alongside them. Way to put it. Good job. And um, I guess, you know, a little bit about me that I think will become important as we talk. I, I grew up in a small family business, very okay. high stress, um, high expectations youngest sister by nine years okay wow <laughs> and um became an engineer when i wanted to be an artist so uh, you know uh, lots of hidden traumas in my life okay Sound, sounds like some control you know your parents want you to be a certain mm -hmm. way yeah and, and so I they were on you that they, they wanted you to be the engineer or yep. the doctor or whatever not the artist so um, I passed that along, unfortunately, to my boys. I, um, I had been super high stress, went to school, got a job, you know, mm -hmm. didn't really do much, met my husband at work because I didn't socialize. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we had a whirlwind relationship. He was the light of my life. We, he actually got me out having fun. We were married within... A year and a half and um then less than a year later had our first child okay and i was a crazy overprotective mom like okay. like to the point that when i was outside um and i saw hawks circling i ran inside with my baby i did i, I did that stuff <laughs> people always told me they're like you were way too protective of your kids and i was always like piss off <laughs> yeah <laughs> but but I wasn't understanding what they were saying. Go ahead. So I just it's kind of yeah, neat yeah. how both of us were 
because my household was a very non-controlling. It was a do-whatever-you-want house. So ah. it's kind of weird how that uh, happened. I'm we sorry. both wound up in the same place, right? Yeah. <laughs> in the different ways. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So I'm, go ahead. I'm, so, I just thought that was neat. So very protective mommy. Yeah. And um, what I didn't know... Um, and we didn't find out until after we nearly lost my oldest, um, is we're both on the autism spectrum. We both have Asperger's. Okay. Okay. So you found so out a little a bit discussion. later in life and it's Asperger's. We, okay. Yeah. And yeah, you've been um, diagnosed with that? We've both been diagnosed. Okay. Um, so that came though, like I said, after um, all of the substance abuse and nearly losing him. And okay. um, it, it really, I think it saved his life. I think it saved my life Wow. Um, to know because yeah. at 19, he finally realized why he was so different. And yeah. I finally realized why I, you know, I was um, not just controlling. I, I worked a lot. My addiction was my work. I worked in corporate. I traveled okay. a lot. Um, I was super proud of, of all of that and thinking I was providing for my family, Yeah, which yeah. I was, but I wasn't it, in some ironic way. I was the absolute opposite of what I wanted to be for my boys. I wanted okay. to be the best mom ever, which to me, meant providing for them I okay. didn't know how to you know hug them enough and love them enough and listen more than I talked and okay. you know so I, I, I and I think that's an important part of our story because I know a lot of programs teach you know you didn't cause it and and I say I yeah. Totally did. yeah I don't I, agree with I, that either I totally mm. did I, I didn't mean to yeah. And, well, how are we going to take responsibility for our actions if we don't admit that? Now, I'll tell people that, you know, it isn't your fault that you're an alcoholic, but you're still going to take responsibility for your actions. 100%. And, uh, and I think that's helped us heal. You know, we've yeah. had, I've had hour to two hour long conversations with my oldest about his recovery, okay. um, about how he got started. Um, you know, we do, I think that one of the the most interesting things that I've learned from him, he, he, I was fresh out of peer recovery coaching. And okay. as we were talking, he said, what is addiction? And of, of course <laughs> I started going to the definition, right? Yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> well, and, SUD. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And he stopped me. He said, it was instant for me. Mm -hmm. he, he said, I, you know, he had dabbled, he had tried marijuana he had been okay. using um, chewless tobacco, yeah. alcohol, all that stuff. But he said the first time I had a Percocet pill, he was like, I was instantly said I was ready to give half of everything I owned for another one. Wow. So, you know, that I think is important for parents to understand, too, that um, like we always say, no one chooses to yeah. be an addict. Right. Mm -hmm. But he had so much pain. He felt so different. And yeah. the moment that he didn't feel that pain, he was like, oh, oh my God, I need to feel that again. Yeah. Well, who, <laughs> you know what? Who wouldn't? I, you know, well, yeah. maybe other people wouldn't. But I mean, 
heck, he found relief after what nineteen years. That's a it was about it was about seventeen and a half years when yeah. he started. So that's he, a he long from, that's a long time to feel lonely. It's a really long time, and um, and you know the other irony is well, so a couple things he he didn't have his first drink till he was seventeen, um, okay. but then it was like the floodgates opened, and then mm-hmm. it wasn't long after that that he had tried the pills, and um, he his ultimately um it turned out to be xanax that really was his his drug of choice all right Um, and um i didn't know he he when he graduated from high school which i always took for granted too as something that Mm -hmm. would happen and when it nearly didn't that was kind of the beginning of my awakening Okay. As a parent sure. of like, okay, this isn't <laughs> something you can take for granted. This kid might actually not, well, you know, yeah. he's brilliant and he might actually not graduate. Yeah. Holy shit. What am I going to do? <laughs> and so in your, kind of and in your world, crazy. that's the end of the world, man. It, it was. That's it was. a huge <laughs> thing in your world. And well, it's, education and is a, important to you. So it, it, it was everything when I, you know, it was just, you know, there were assumptions he was going to do that or, you know, and then when he graduated, he was either going into the military or he was going to college, but mm-hmm. again, you know, not knowing that he had Asperger's, neither one of those things was his right path. Mm-hmm. And um, so that was a huge awakening for me. And it didn't ha- like, that was the beginning of it, but um, I, I definitely wasn't there. He graduated he started really declining because now what, right? At least he could drag himself to school. Yeah. Now he doesn't early and he, had yeah, he doesn't have, he's not accountable to anything. Yeah. But Uh-oh. he, uh, he's, he's very mechanically inclined. So, okay. Um, not surprising. <laughs> not surprising. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people um, with Asperger's are very, very technically in, inclined. Yes. Yeah. And they, just um, have the, they can work that in their head quickly um, on how, how this works. Helpful. Yeah. He can see it in his head. Cool yep. stuff. I think that, I think that's neat. <laughs> it is. It's, it's fascinating. I wish more people could appreciate it, honestly. <laughs> um, but on his 18th birthday, he went to a motorcycle shop. He had been riding motorcycles since he was five. Um, okay. He, he loved them. Mm-hmm. He wanted to be a mechanic. I, I remember I came home from work that day. There were a couple of kids I didn't recognize in our home. I walked into his bedroom. I saw the application on his nightstand and he was high. And it was mm-hmm. the first time I'd seen him high in our house. Um, and I lost it. And I, okay. um, and again, you know, I think those are things important for parents to hear because it was the absolute wrong thing. To mm-hmm. I should have seen, I should have, and, and I say should have, but I did, I, I was not, I didn't have the capacity to, right. And, and yeah, at that time. Understanding, mm-hmm. But, um, but if I could have known, I would have been like, what happened? You know, mm-hmm. what's wrong? And what, how come you can't, you know, how are you feeling? What in, um, because truly I think he felt like now what, you know, I've been waiting to turn 18 to go mm-hmm. be a mechanic and I can't be a mechanic because this job application requires a drug test and mm-hmm. I know I'm going to fail. Mm-hmm. And so 
that hopelessness um just yeah now he's now he's probably feeling pretty stuck totally stuck um so um the drug use increased um you know, I think the other thing with Asperger's, we tend to um, have very intense personalities, right? Mm-hmm. Which goes very well um, or very poorly, however you want to look at it with addiction. Yeah, yeah. So, depending on the road um, they're on at the moment. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. so he continued on. So that was the beginning of June. By the beginning of July, this 2017 I um we gave him an ultimatum we okay. had he had a younger brother and we we're like dude you can't you can't live here mm-hmm. if you're gonna keep on with this we were scared um and we we tried the tough love thing we sent him away and yeah. um worst thing worst thing we could have done um but again you know lessons learned right he Mm -hmm. um he said when we sent him away he felt like he literally had nothing left yep um you know he was garbage no one believed in him Mm -hmm. um and the first thing he did was he he bought a crappy car that literally had the transmission zip tied in (laughs) and left (laughs) and um Drove to Tallahassee, wow. sunglasses on, you know, middle of the night, sunglasses on, smoking <laughs> weed with some kid that uh, they barely knew. He, he knew that told him he had something in the trunk. He never knew what. Um, okay. Turns out it was a pretty, pretty big, heavy bag. Um, <laughs> okay. They never got stopped, um, but that could have been a felony. You know, yeah. here, my, my, you know, what I thought my, you know, his whole life growing up, my perfect little angel Eagle Scout, you know, mm-hmm. he, he would have been facing a felony charge. Um, so by the grace of God, he didn't. Um, yeah. He, I thought I sent him away to be with a, um, a friend of the family. So I, like, I knew where he was going. I gave him, filled his car with groceries, you know, gift mm-hmm. cards. He burned through it all in a week and then he was back. And at the time I said like a boomerang, you know, I was so angry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, why is this kid coming back? Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you know, I look back and I'm thinking, well, thank goodness he did, you know, because um, he could have been, you know, and then we were going to counseling, my husband and I independently um, were going to counseling. And I remember he came home one night and he, he sat on the couch said, I need to talk to you about what the therapist said. And mm-hmm. he started and he said, that he, the guy said, we need to write a contract, give him mm-hmm. 10 days to change. Yeah. Um, and if he doesn't put him out and he said, put him out means his stuff on the curb and yep. the police come forcibly remove him. And I, mm-hmm. I, again, freaked. That was my, that was my go-to. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I freaked about everything. Cause I could, I couldn't handle, um, and that's due to my condition, right? I don't handle unexpected things or change or anything that scares me well. Um, okay. And I said, no way. He's our baby. He'll be dead in a gutter if we do that. Like we we had one chance to send him away and have him come back. I'm not doing it. And look what happened there. Sure. So you're basing you're basing things off of what you're already seeing. All right. Yep. And sometimes tough love doesn't quite work out the way we want it to. 
because no, well, the problem now is everybody knows about tough love, so it's not like it's a secret. It's like they already know what you're doing. You know, right. now when I was growing up, my mom used tough love on me, and it kind of worked. But that was you know, but I didn't know what the end result was. You know, <laughs> so I couldn't change. I couldn't manipulate that. But now that we know it, we can manipulate that. Everybody knows what tough love is. It's um, it's like there's no secret behind the fourth step anymore. Yep. Which is literally why bunches of people don't do it because now they don't understand. So, um, yes, this is just a process. And what your therapist is saying is true in a lot of circumstances. But let's continue on. Uh, I'd like to hear what happened. So, um, so we didn't, we, that was not an option. We didn't do that. Um, I, we did what we could to, um, control our risk. So we had a a tracker in the car that he used. Um, at one point I, I took all the extra keys, everything I had, I threw it in the safe. We had guns, um, they were in a safe, but I took them out. I gave them to family members so that okay. they weren't, there was no possibility um, yeah. because he had grown up learned knowing how to use them too. And that scared me. I didn't mm-hmm. want to have anything to do with, with that. Um, and, and, and again, like not because I'm against guns, I, but because he was clearly not in a right state of mind. Well, trust that. level. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we couldn't, you can't trust the addiction at all. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, great move. And then, um, so he, so that was, you know, June to July. And then um, November, I was super excited because he went, he taught to a personal training school, agreed to go. Um, cool. He started that January of 2018. Okay. Um, it was supposed to be a four month program. I think it, you know, I end up paying extra, like there's a lot of, I paid, I paid, I paid. (laughs) And and that's another thing people will say, don't enable them. But, um, I don't, even in retrospect, I don't think I was enabling anything. I think I was keeping him alive while he was struggling. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, well, it's not like you were handing him cash every day. You were paying for something and you paid them directly. He couldn't get a hold of the you were trying to keep them accountable, and I actually agree with what you were doing. Yeah. So, you know, it took longer. I guess what I should have said before that is um, he did end up um, with a DUI charge before that, the, um, before he started school. Okay. He hired a lawyer. Um, but, but something interesting that he said when he called, we had ironically taken an Uber to a party, and my husband and I were both drinking. He called us. Uh-huh. Um, from jail. Yeah. I didn't know, but they it had been eight hours already before they let him call us. Yeah. And I said, and I, and I just learned this like a month ago. He said, do you remember what you said to me? I said, no. He said, you asked me what happens if I don't pay and don't come. Mm-hmm. And hung up the phone. Yeah. I was like, wow, what a bitch. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> like, but I was hurting, right? I was scared. And yeah. I was like, you know, when is this going to end? Um, but here's the thing about that, right? I felt so good about myself and what I said, right? Again, that tough, that tough parent. Yeah, right? you put down um, that boundary. And 
And what he said, but because what I did do is pay it instantly and jump in the car and you mm-hmm. know, get get up there. But um, what I didn't know, he said, when they put him in a cell with other people, he found the biggest, scariest guy he could find and started to pick a fight. He said, I mm-hmm. wanted to die. Yeah, I wanted the guy to take me out. I was done. Like I, And so again, I think the theme is I was hurting and I project like I, I projected my pain and my trauma onto my children it led I do believe it led to a portion of his pain and trauma in addition okay. to what he would have had anyway okay and then I think that's fair visibly, yeah I think that I think that's fair of you to say yeah and and when he was visibly struggling I still didn't have enough education or knowledge and how to deal with it and I continue to do that which mm-hmm. you know I, I is um, I think that's risky business, right? You know? <laughs> it, it can be, you know, it's tough. I have, I, you know, I have a daughter that, that has trouble. Um, and I told her, you know, Hey, I know you're doing it, but don't block me off. I'm not going to give you a hard time. I'm not. Hey, yeah. I, I want to be there for you. Mm-hmm. No, you know, she has, you know, two kids and you know but that enables her for when something happens who does she call she calls me yeah or she call or she calls or she calls my wife because we kept that relationship open that way when something happened and it did we were able to be there and she would be able to call us without having to feel shame and I think that's so important. Um, and that's something he said that, you know, the, the way he described his addiction and his feelings, he said, I was hopeless. And he said, I mm-hmm. felt like, you know, one day I was walking along, walking my dog. He said, the next day I looked down, I had a mountain lion yeah. on the end of a, a dog leash. You know, it's a very different scenario. Yeah. It happens that fast. And he said, and I couldn't tell you because, Every time I tried to tell you something, you said I'd look in your eyes and I would see that you couldn't handle it. Yeah. And he didn't want to, he was tired of hurting his mother. Trust me, I know that one. Yeah. Which is hard, you know? So the person he's supposed to be able to go to, and, and I, you know, shut that path down. And, um, you know, that's something that I try and encourage parents all the time. And like you said, Dion, you have to keep those pathways open, even if it's painful. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you set boundaries and see, you're their parents. You know, like we, we made this choice. Yeah. You know, my husband and I joke about that. Like when we were back in the day, when we were having fun, you know, making mm-hmm. a baby, we weren't thinking about all this. Yeah, we weren't thinking jail time. <laughs> We weren't, you know, you weren't putting aside bail money now. (laughs) You're putting away for college, not. (laughs) Yeah. And so he was on the the reason I bring that up is because, um, you know, he was on probation. He signed the paperwork every month. I kept track of all that. And again, I still didn't know about his Asperger's condition. But I did know that he wasn't a paperwork guy. Like I was making all that happen. I was making okay. sure that he was on time for everything. And um, he had to volunteer uh, at Goodwill. And I'm, I think most people look at that and they're like, yeah, volunteer time, whatever, 75 hours, no big deal. Um, 
he couldn't do it. Yeah. He could he couldn't go for more than two hours to be mm-hmm. in that environment. Um, you know, to to like I think he's very empathetic too. I think he was literally feeling all the energy, even the mm-hmm. old stuff and what like things they got rid of. And um we paid to reduce the hours he did by 50%. And then I begged him like towards the end of the the term. I'm like, dude, come on. And I remember one day he was laying in bed and he said, I'm something about like, he's not going to be able to complete it. I'm going to die in jail. Like he, like he was giving up and that was so terrifying. Yeah. What could I do? You know, except chase him down, try and find him, get him through, you know, and, and somehow um, he made it through. He did his time. Um, but here's the thing, Dion. In the midst of all that, he's going to school for personal training. Mm-hmm. He's loving it. He's and and this is how blind I was, and and how I think we explain things to ourselves that we see, right? Okay. He was working out every day. He was coming home excited, talking about the things he learned. Um, getting really ripped, you know, and at least he's seen <laughs> and you know. I don't know. I never did. I never touched a drug in my, an illegal drug in my life. I hardly took uh, aspirin, right? So I yeah. No context. Um, and I was like, oh, wow, good genes. You know, I was a bike racer. Look at this kid go. Um, he <laughs> got super aggressive. And then he oh. wasn't getting out of bed in the morning, right? And so I yeah. changed my work schedule. So, you know, in retrospect, what was going on, he was doing a round of roids. Mm-hmm. Um, he was taking Xanax every night, and so like every morning, I was at risk of him not waking up, and I didn't mm-hmm. know. Um, yeah, you can't mix those two. That is that is bad. Yeah, that's and like a, a, it, yeah, that's like um, that that's like taking a bunch of you know oxy or something with alcohol. It could be extremely dangerous. Yeah, uh, it so, shut down your heart. It'll bring your heart rate down so low it just you just stops. Yeah, and I had no idea. He probably didn't know. Um, the way I found out about the the um, steroids was he he had gone away to college like well after. I, and I'll get to how we almost lost him, but well after that, he calls one day. He's like, "There's a cup in my room. I need you to go grab it and throw it away." Yeah, he said that's all. That's full of needles. Yeah. It was a cop from a va- family vacation, you know. So, like they talk about, yeah. where should families look and you know look for hiding places? It was hiding in clear sight. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a, a tumbler with a, yeah. a screw on top. And um, well, yeah, he anyway, was he, at a point where he didn't care if you found it or not. No, he, because he just had no hope, and yeah. he just was. And that's and he said that. That's a great point. He said, you know, I was. Doing what I was doing, he said, if one day I didn't wake up, that was a bonus. Mm-hmm. That's how he felt, um, yep. which is so sad, you know, again, for somebody who's had such talent, you know, and um, so anyway, he, he finished school um, and it was around June and I, and I remember, again, explaining stuff away to myself, thinking, well, he's just, you know, big transition again. We're going to go through the same thing that we went through after high school, right? He's 
big change. Um, he is depressed because of that. I, I wasn't putting it all together. Yeah. Um, I had also just taken mental health first aid training. So, mm. you know, the eight hour certification course and, yeah. and I felt enlightened, right? Cause again, you know, think about <laughs> I education was important to me. Mm-hmm. I control was important. I was like, this is great. Every parent should take this course. Um, you know, now, now I know how to help my child. <laughs> um, and here's the thing, right? Like three weeks after that, we had a family wedding to go to. Um, okay. I, I had been telling him about it. We had been prepping. Uh, and he seemed excited, but he was hiding. He was terrified. He was, um, you know, he, he didn't want to go. He didn't want to face the family. He was afraid yeah. someone was going to figure something out. Um, and the, the flight to go there was on a Friday. And so Thursday evening, we're standing in front of the closet with my husband. He's going through, he's checking out clothes for my husband, telling him what to wear. He's, he's a very sharp dress. Like he loves mm-hmm. clothes and dressing sharp. And he's like, you should wear this and you're going to look great, dad. And, and then I mentioned the, the flight and he said, well, that's not for two days. And I was like, no, it's tomorrow. Mm-hmm he disappeared like he i i didn't know i thought maybe he had to go to the bathroom or something and i was like where'd he go he's just gone mm-hmm. um and he came home about 2 a.m <laughs> and um every, every night i would make his bed i'd put the diffuser on with essential oils i'd leave a light on you know like i did his like motel six <laughs> just in case he came home the dog would wait for him. Um, and most nights when he came home, I'd go out, I'd go um, say goodnight. I'd get out of bed. So, okay. you know, which means there were, you know, it turned out being years. I really yeah. didn't sleep. Yeah. I slept with one eye open waiting for him. Um, but anyway, so he, he came home and I let him sleep that whole next day. And then I finally went in and said dude come on like you got to get up you're you, you, we got to get to the airport yeah. and um he said i'm not going mm-hmm. and I, I was like um I, I begged him and and again i think coercion was pretty big um you know something i realized recently my parents did with me my whole mm-hmm. life and got me to do what they wanted and i was like i'm begging you get on the plane I'll send you both back early because they they were great kids right they yeah. I always trusted them to be together um they never we never had a party in our house nothing nothing ever happened visibly mm-hmm. in, in my where I could see it and um <laughs> so didn't mean nothing was happening yeah um so he agreed to that. My husband and I left for the airport. Um, I threw, before I did, I threw everything he had, brown shoes, black shoes, black vest, brown vest, white shirt, you know, <laughs> ties, bow ties. I was like, pick what you want. We'll buy whatever you need when we're there. Just come. Um, and he showed up, dropped his brother off at the airport and left. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I I didn't know he was severely depressed. And mm-hmm. and again, you know, as one of those retrospectives, he said, "You never left. You said this was the first time you were gone." So he turned around and had a party. Yeah. You've been um, waiting years for this. Yeah, eighteen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he probably uh, felt like he deserved it. Or nineteen. You know? Let's see. He was nineteen, I guess. At, at okay. That point. Yep. Um. So that was a Friday. The wedding was on a Saturday. Sunday, I kept to my word. I sent the youngest home. Okay. We stayed another couple of days to visit with family. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember Sunday night, we tried to call. We didn't, we didn't get any answer. We were like, wow, you know, they just must be busy. <laughs> Monday night around 7 or 8 p.m., um, we finally got a call back from the young okay. You know, hey, how's it going? He's like, oh, good. You know, I was just taking a nap. And totally, they covered everything up. Sure. That night around 2 a.m., and we're ready to, you know, get set to go back um, that Tuesday morning. Mm-hmm. But about 2 a.m., I got a call from my oldest. Says, where, where are the dogs? I said, they're at the, you know, they're, they're at the kennel or, we, you know, didn't, didn't you go get them? He said, no, I forgot. And I heard background noise. I was like, who's there? He said, oh, it's just the TV, you know, with girls running around in the background, mm-hmm. I could hear them screaming and carrying on. Um, but I remember I sat up straight in bed 2 a.m. thinking, this is not good. Like, I don't yeah. know what's going on, but this is not good. Right? And I'm way too far away. I'm 1,200 miles away. I can't yeah. do shit right? till yeah. I get on the plane tomorrow. Um, and what a helpless feeling, right? Because <laughs> You just, um, so we got on the plane, flew back, um, talked to the boys again, you know, had them, somebody drop the dogs off because the boys didn't go get them. Okay. Um, And we got home. Nobody told us what had happened, but, um, my oldest, like he looked white as a ghost. He looked sick. And I, I remember tell my husband, you know, like, just sit with him, watch a movie. Like he's sad. He, well, he was in severe withdrawal yeah. from the Xanax uh-huh. and who knows what else um, he had taken that night. He said the, um, that night the kids were throwing pills in his mouth from across the room. Yeah. Wow. Um, they, I found a small baggie um, next to his bed. And, and to be honest with you, it's my guess is it was Coke and it's probably what helped him live because, you know, yeah. as screwed up as that is yeah. um, because his heart was clearly, you know, gonna, I don't know how he lived. I, you know, and I, and that's another thing that, you know, like if I had a wish list. I wish that we had Narcan in the house. Yeah. And my parents, ironically, had gone to training they were they lived out of state but they had gone to training they didn't know exactly what was going down but wow they told me later they took it because of their grandkids yeah they needed to know it's actually very good knowledge to have yeah yeah um, because you just never know you could be walking down the street and somebody could be you know so i yeah i have narcan all over (laughs) yeah 
Um, Not for me, but yeah. Yeah, for who knows. And um, so this is where, you know, this is raw. So here it is. Um, Okay. Whatever people believe. But, you know, my son says he remembers walking to his brother's room through the walls. Like we're not talking, getting out of bed, walking to his brother's room and waking him up so that he would come back and revive him. And he said, I remember standing there watching him bring me back. Oh. Um, so here, wow. you know, my, my 16-year-old son now is, you know, living through bringing back his 19-year-old brother. Yeah, death. Um, never told us. Like, they, this came out later. They never told us. They hid mm-hmm. it just like they hid everything else from us. Um, and so they went through all that trauma, uh, you know, alone, alone. Yeah. Um, and the only thing we did know was, um, you know, we figured they did clean up the house or the youngest had cleaned up the house, but there's still a few signs. Um, so we knew there had been a party. Mm -hmm. We saw the oldest keep checking his wallet. Um, and so we said, do you owe somebody money? Um, and he said, yes. And we paid it. It, it, it. it wasn't that much. It was 125 bucks, but that's the thing too. They'll, they'll kill you over that much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we yes, they will. About two weeks later, um, they almost did. Mm-hmm. So, because we're, I don't even remember the conversation, but I started pressing on something and the youngest had a, a you know, a moment when he flipped and he said, you don't understand what it's like to have somebody bust into your house and put a gun in your mouth. I was like, no, you're right. I don't. But my 16-year-old son did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that's the thing, too, is that, again, people, people look at all this and you can think what you want. Um, like you said, addiction can make you do things that you wouldn't do when you're in your right head and um but they're not bad kids right Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and i think though when we try to protect our own children we send that message um about their friends about kids in the community about Mm -hmm. families and that shame um is just more damaging than people can can know because yeah. the truth is when those kids who are in our house finally realized that my oldest was probably dying guess what they did hmm. they left yeah nobody made a phone call Mm-mm. nobody tried to help him no They're they like, found out yeah. they found out who their friends were that weekend yeah yep yep and um, turns out Xanax is the only friend he got. Exactly. And, um, you know, and that's, and I, I said, why would they do that? He was like, mom, these kids were worried about their scholarships and mm-hmm. going to school and, you know, their parents. He said, what were their parents going to say? I was like, are you kidding me? Like what? Their parents would rather have them let somebody die. And, and mm-hmm. sadly, I think the truth is yes. Um, yeah you know and that's it's I unfortunate that, but 
Yeah. And it's a hard one to swallow, yeah. but everybody protects their own. And that's, yeah. Um, so, you know, that it's one of those, like that happened. right? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, afterward, he, he spends a lot of time in our garage smoking weed. And while I was worried about that, I was, he was like, mom, just leave me alone. Right? But he was going through his own recovery. Um, and withdrawals and and so I let him be was doing that working on the car up till all hours of the night but it was all I think that the impacts of getting down off that Xanax Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember calling for help right and I called our, our employee assistance program um and I, I said, I think my son needs help. Because again, I didn't know, right? Like yeah. this is all retrospect. I think my son needs help. He seems depressed. Um, and I said, how do I, how can I get him to help? Like, what can I do? And this woman, no joke, said, have you tried withholding the Wi-Fi password? Mm. And I, I remember it, like, just kind of, <laughs> away from my head and looking up to the sky and I, are you crazy <laughs> and i said we're well past wi-fi past yeah. and it was just and then i just went and sobbed i was like what am i gonna do and yeah um, and the funny thing too i remember like pace i did so much pacing like walking outside and talking to friends and, and just saying there needs to be somebody somebody besides all these therapists and doctors is like somebody who understands what I'm going through. Yep. Um, and I didn't know about peer coaches, right? <laughs> but that's what I was describing. I was like, these people shouldn't be allowed to get licensed unless they've had life experience or they're paired up with somebody who has had life experience. And I remember Absolutely. that so clearly. Yep. They're not, I call that staying in your lane. Yeah. So, um, you know, you have peer specialists um, and they're good for their portion and therapists are good for their portion. Everyday life, I'm going to be talking to my recovery coach or, or somebody, you know, in the program. Um, somebody that's done the work before, um, yeah. not read it out of a text. Now I've been to a, but there on the other side, when it came to my PTSD and my anxiety, I utilize a therapist. A peer coach can't help me with that unless yeah. they've been there before, which usually, you know, it's when it comes to that, it's kind of individual. Yeah. So it's all about staying in your lane. So, yeah. but For you sure. are absolutely right. The first people we should talk to are people that understand where we're coming from that yeah. have been there. Yep. Yeah. And it was just so hard. Anybody, you know, it was like, that was the next big round of trying to go to therapists and, um, you know, just not getting anything useful. And that's why even to this day, you know, it's a very personal thing, but like you said, a therapist is good at helping you dredge things up that you maybe are not facing, right. Not yeah. thinking about need a way or, to or haven't seen, through. you know, a lot of, a lot of trauma, uh, trauma will actually block out instances, um, mm-hmm. you know, so that you can feel better, you know. So when you go see yeah. a therapist, these things start coming up. But if you have a good therapist, they give you the tools before that starts to happen. 
Yeah. So, you know, I, I continued the journey trying to figure out how to help him. What do I do? And I started thinking, you know, he, he loved scouting um, when we lived up near the mountains. Um, I was like, maybe he needs to go to the mountains, right? You know, like, so Change the scenery time. Yeah, just researching, like, maybe I can send them off to who knows where, right? Like, I was open to anything. And um, just thinking, just, like, maybe a couple weeks, maybe he would go on this hike or expedition or, you know, something. And um, and we just, I remember searching, like, days and weeks. And um, all of a sudden, it struck me one day. I was like, you know, I know he's probably not, like, looking to go to college or anything but that is kind of the next step like he needs mm -hmm. some sort of interim step like out from home yep um and so my my husband and i tell this story differently we don't remember who <laughs> came up with it um, okay maybe we both needed to feel like we did something good yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but we found this tiny little school um out in Colorado. And I said, you know, could you go with him, go take a trip, you know, go visit. And my husband looked at me with this crazy look in his eyes, because, you know, like, he was thinking the school is a good idea, but he didn't want to get on a plane. With yeah. my son. You know, they had been fighting and, and, you know, the, the, all that rage and everything that had come out with the steroids. So he was a scary okay. dude. <laughs> all right. Um, and I said, please, you know, begging you, just, just go. And um, so they went and um, my son took hundreds of pictures and just was like loving it. Um, it was October, October in Colorado is such a beautiful time because, and it did it happen is. to snow um, just a little and um, he didn't want to get back on the plane. He didn't want to go home. He was like, I want to stay. <laughs> So luckily, you know, he, he did go back home. Um, crazy thing. He, it was uh, when we had just had that terrible hurricane hit the panhandle in Florida. Um, so he had this plan to go back and do work there, uh, tarping roofs. And he was supposed to make all sorts of money and mm -hmm. um, pay us back. He was like, I want to pay you back for everything you've done. Um, mm -hmm. It was a terrible ride up. A lot of the gas stations were closed. It was very scary. Um, he got there. Um, everybody in the house, the, the guys that were running the, the teams, just sat there and drank all day, um, mm. yelled at them, treated them crappy, gave them shitty food. And, you know, they were grilling steaks and he was eating peanut butter and jelly, um, you know, working out on the roof for 10, 12 hours. Um, and I remember he called me one night and he said um, he was, he was breaking down he was crying. And, and he said, I'm waiting for my food. Um, I'm outside an IHOP. And he said, the waitress, I can see her and she's behind the counter shooting up heroin. Oh. So it was the trauma, right? He was reliving his own trauma. Yeah. Watching her and her pain. And, uh -huh. um, and he said, and plus, you know, the guys, he said, they sit there 
and you know they're they're drinking um but yet they're talking bad about people who have chose to use drugs and you know of course they didn't know my son's history um and they're just running their mouths but that mm-hmm. people people don't know and people do run their mouths right and yeah. um he just was hurting so much he said you know they're saying these bad things and um and i said come home right like there's nothing i well but i you know i promise I'd pay my brother back. I'd pay you back. I'm like, just come home, like try and get some sleep tonight. Come home. Um, and he did, you know, yeah. but again, I think that's when I look at how did this affect me and I look at my own recovery, what it did is completely change the lens that I look at my life and my family. through. Um, I, I didn't care about the money anymore. Yeah. I wanted to stay alive. You know, I could hear that loss of hope again, and that terrified me. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the scary thing about recovery, especially for young people, um, mm-hmm. is that sometimes it's harder for them to protect themselves um, from being triggered again. Um, so he, when he went to school, it was, it was so hard because then he was 2000 miles away from us. And, yeah. and we have such a strong connection. I could tell like, but you know, what's funny is he went and um, when he met with the, the instructors, they're like, what do you want to get out of school? And, and he, he was playing the game. He's still playing the game, you know, mm-hmm. what's your five year, 10 year plan. And we walked out of the office and, and I said, listen, um, what is your plan? And he said, my plan is want to wake up in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's a good plan. Yep. So let's cancel the English class at 2 p.m. on a Friday because I know you're not going. Yeah, you and, ain't going to make that. <laughs> and I said, and I know you don't care about it. And like, just go. So he took a couple of classes. He took like snow grooming classes and terrain yeah. park building. And yeah, it's just, okay. like, just go have fun. He did that and he was a snowmobile guide. Um, never rode a snowmobile in his life. <laughs> uh-huh. But he had ridden motorcycles and dirt bikes and, yeah. and all that. So he went for one tour, he paid for one tour. And then he went and, and applied for the job. And they, you know, they asked him about his experience. He talked his way in and there he went, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and um <laughs> But again, like you said, that's that that mechanical mindedness mm-hmm. and thinking. He transferred everything he knew from a dirt bike to a snowmobile, and he he, yeah. um, he worked part time. He went to school part time, and you know, I, the other thing that you see is like how much everybody in our society tries to coerce you into things. Because even the school, they're like, oh. If you're a full-time student, then you're eligible. We'll reimburse you for your ski pass for the year. So, you know, that control. Oh, yeah. And, that, and he was like, I don't want it. And I said, fine. Don't worry about it. You know, mm-hmm. but again, I think before all this happened, I would have been like, oh, come on. You know, you should. Like, that's a good perk. And, you know, yeah. and, like, look at the crazy things we do over, what, like 600, 700 dollars. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, it's, just, it's just money. Yeah. yeah, and you know, like maybe you just don't ski this year, and like you got something in your backyard. You know, like like there's so many other options. Mm-hmm. But that's not the way that I had been raised, or or that he had been, and you know, but I see how damaging um, 
that that can be to, yeah. to our choices and makes us choose things that are not aligned with who we are and why mm-hmm. we're here. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, here, fast forward, he's, he went to school for one semester. Okay. And he achieved his goal, which was make connections and get a job. And yep. um, so he, they, you know, they, he fixed stuff that his instructors couldn't fix. Wow. They referred him <laughs> um, before he went to the classes for the actual mechanical. Class. Yeah. Well, gosh, he's got to be feeling pretty good about that. He was, he was, and um, you know, and it's funny to this day. I don't even know what his grades were. I never saw any documentation. I never asked. I don't care. Like I, <laughs> because it's funny. He like welding. We talked about, and um, I said, you know, maybe you should go back so you can have your teacher turn something in for the certification. He's like, I don't want to go back because I'd have to go to every class mm-hmm. to pass. And all of a sudden, I had this moment where I was like. Did he not pass the first one? (laughs) (laughs) And he probably didn't, but you know what? He welded better than anybody in that class. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I, I believe, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a person that I believe in, in life experience and, uh, that you can apply those things. You know, what I'm kind of seeing is he's going through this. We have hope going and then it kind of goes down and then we have some hope and then it goes down and we have some hope, but each time it seems to be going up more and yeah. down less up yeah. more and then down a little bit less. So we're seeing a good progression here on recovery on somebody trying to find recovery. So, yeah. and I think that's an important point, right? We say it's not linear and it's not. And he, he shared too. He said, I had a moment and um, it's taken me so long to tell somebody this, but um, he said, I was at a party, you know, when, so this, this point is probably like a year and a half in. Um, and he said, some kid had some Coke. Um, he left a line for me in the bathroom. He said, I went and looked at it and he said, and I scoffed at it thinking this is a joke, right? Like this is, Hardly anything, not enough. Um, yeah. <laughs> he said, so I, I took it and he said instantly, again, he said, my brain was just wanted more. He said, mm-hmm. I scraped the bag. I licked the card. I scraped the bag with, I went searching for, you know, like, and he said, I had no control over mm-hmm. what I did like that evening. And he said, I woke up the next day, so ashamed. He said, I, I, you know, that kid didn't have a problem with, he was like, you know, quote, just having fun, right? Mm. And like, but he he said, I know now I can't touch that. Yeah. You know, I learned and, you know, but again, I think that, so a couple things there, right? I think um, having those instances it can happen and I don't think it's a, it's a bad thing, but people have to learn from it to help Mm -hmm. them stay in their recovery. Um, The fact that it happened so long before he told me, you know, is, is scary too. Right. Mm -hmm. And makes me think that that's another value that a coach can bring, um, particularly 
to a young person in their family yeah is to point that out and say listen you know this is this is a risk and everybody's different right some people mm-hmm. can never touch what you know any substance again some people can never touch certain substances again yeah um and unfortunately Sometimes you don't know unless you try it. <laughs> and I don't recommend that is it. Because, that, you know, it could have been, that could have uh, been the start of a, a, a bender. And, exactly. Yeah. Well, so um, I am presuming um, at this point that, you're, that your son is in recovery. He is. It's been, what, two and almost two and a half years. Wow. Um, so, you know, with, like I said, that was an example of like he was tested within that, but I, I, yeah, don't certainly. The clock. <laughs> well, you know, I think it'd be pretty hard to diagnose that unless he was actually off of everything. Mm-hmm. So a lot of things you can't be diagnosed with until you're off of drugs and alcohol for six months. Mm-hmm. So, uh, cause they look so much alike that they can't, you know, they can't tell the difference. Um, wow. but I'm, you know, there's been a lot of similarities here. Um, you know, I'm listening and I'm like, I'm, I, it's kind of, I didn't, I didn't listen to my story, but I don't know that I would have gotten on that plane either. Um, I love people, but I love zoom because mm-hmm. I can do it from the comfort of my, you know, um, sometimes I'll go out and if I haven't taken care of myself, done what I need to do, and I'm in a group of people and there's a large amount of over emotion, I got to go. Yeah. Because it's too much. It, even if it's good stuff, I got to yeah. go. It's a trigger for me. Mm-hmm. You, but as I've gotten older and, you know, been to the therapist and don't want, now I recognize my triggers. I know what they are. And I don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's, it, you know, it's kind of, I'm not saying I don't get triggered, but now mm-hmm. my mind, instead of reacting, instead of just quick, you know, mm-hmm. because when you're in those situations, I know how he feels, man. Yeah. I know how he feels when you're, when you're just like, death is better than this. Yeah. It's so much better than this. I would rather be dead. God. And I've had this prayer before. Just kill me. Would you yeah. Would you just end me, please? I'm t- I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> and obviously his answer was no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was a, it was a resounding no. And, um, yeah, and he's fun in still sometimes, you know, he looks at the world and he's, um, he's like, our world is so screwed up. He's like, I don't know why I'm here. And I said, well, I, I don't know, but. Clearly, somebody has plans for you, too, because. Well, I would have to say there are probably other people in recovery with Asperger's. Mm -hmm. He's got he's got plenty of work that he can do in the program. Yeah. And, you know, the the interesting thing, too, what you reminded me of is um, about a year into his recovery. I fell apart. I, um, so I was, I was never thought about it, never saw it coming and just, you know, and, and you would think, I think I would have thought as a parent that the worst time is when you're going through the, the actual trauma, right? All the, the, the risk of, of 
jail and prison and fines and whatever and you know finding your kids but it was actually after I felt like he was better that mm-hmm. I completely crumbled that was when the the guilt and the grief struck me and but realizing you didn't have a chance before it, it was kind of it was the same situation when you left town and he mm-hmm. stayed home right mm-hmm. But now it was your turn, you know, it was your body saying, okay, we're done. We have a chance. We're getting rid of this stuff. We're getting rid of all this bad crap. We got a chance to do it. Yeah. Um, and I remember, I remember thinking, I, you know, like now I know why he chose to, to do what he did because I was feeling that pain mm-hmm. and I wanted it to go away. And I yeah. remember going you know just breaking down and and it was the youngest again I mean he he, he deserves a statue built for him but he, <laughs> you know, so much but um I remember him looking me in the eye one day and saying you're not okay yeah. he was like mom you have been our rock and he's like I'm telling you you're not that person anymore and, you don't have to be you know he's like you need help and I, I remember saying, oh, I'm, I'm fine, I'm fine. And I, I had been going, I had amped up my therapy. And I remember it. the next day I went to work, I went to a meeting and I just lost it. I was yeah. in the conference room, there was glass walls and uh, I just fell apart. And then I put myself on mute and was just falling apart. And mm-hmm. a colleague stopped and said, you know, are you okay? And I, I said, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so, no. Yeah. Um, and you know what he said though? I, uh, he, he said, "Well, um, I have to get to a call, mm-hmm. but um, you know, if you're around at eleven, uh, if you want to have lunch or coffee or something, let me know." Yeah. I, I was not in a place where that should have happened, right? Yeah. Like, um, yeah. Luckily, I went down. Then we had a nurse on site. I went and got myself help, um, but. Yeah. You know, that really stood out, too, because, again, people not understanding um, the signs when yeah. someone's in trouble. I was in serious trouble. Yeah. Well, and now that you've educated yourself, now you understand. Now, now you're like, okay, wow, how did I make it through that? It's like, you know, and, and we can see it in other people now, mm-hmm. you know, Um which is kind of what you're what you know with what you're trying to do you're gonna you're trying to work to a place where you can help as a peer specialist uh family members that are suffering from this right isn't that kind of what your goal is here yeah i want to i want to help families um you know just be able to work through things and understand that they're not alone um you know, and like you said before, I, I don't believe it's not, I'm not the type that's going to let somebody off the hook. Right? Yeah. Um, I think that it's important that family members take responsibility for Absolutely. any portion intentionally or unintentionally that mm-hmm. they could have had um, to do with their, their loved one's um, substance abuse. But I think, you know, if you, if you were, a help in causing it, you can be a help in supporting them. In Abs- recovery. Absolutely. That's a great way. You know, that's a good perspective. 
you know, cause I, I tell a lot of alcoholics, you know, and I, I, I say this all the time for as far as you've gone down, you can go up. So mm-hmm. the further you went down, the more you can go up, man. So congratulations. Say, and it's the same thing here. I mean, it's just about taking responsibility for our actions. And when we yeah. do that, it frees us to be of more help to other people. Um, whether that person be the alcoholic or the person affected by the alcoholic. You know, every it's a family disease and it should be a family recovery, you know. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, for me, the the important part of our story, too, is that I had no idea that I had an addictive personality, mm-hmm. you know, and um, we, we kind of let the kids know, like, hey, yeah, you know. Like, as I look back, I'm like, wow, we did actually have quite a bit of substance abuse. Yeah. Yeah, now that you look back, you're like, ooh. (laughs) Many of us do, right? But, um, you know, denial is not just a river in Egypt. That's right. (laughs) Ran pretty deep with Mm -hmm. with me and my family. And, um, you know, and I, like, I remember them growing up saying never quit. And, um, yeah, I always said that, but you know, it's my son who told me, mom, you never quit anything you were winning at. Aha. I was like, oh, no, I, I get that. Cause <laughs> my wife and I were together for a little bit. She's like, God, yeah, you're just good at everything. I said, <laughs> no, I only do stuff I'm good at. I yeah. don't do the other stuff. So now she knows me a lot better. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that's, that well. <laughs> yeah, that's a personality. That's a strong personality trait. So, well, um, thank you very much for coming on and taking your time with us uh, today. Uh, you know, it just goes, it just kind of goes to show that everybody kind of needs somebody else. I mean, I'm, I'm a recovery coach and a personality, but I have a therapist. I have, Mm -hmm. I have people that help me out. I don't want, you get to a place where you don't want to do it alone anymore. Yeah. Where you know, the bright spot of our lives is helping other people become better people every day. No. Yeah. What's your takeaway? And once you take away the alcohol and the drugs, we're all pretty much the same. Yeah. Because <laughs> I could relate yeah, to a lot. True. Yeah. Well, as a parent, as an alcoholic, I didn't re- relate as much. But as a parent of of children that have problems, mm-hmm. I relate a lot. Um, yeah. You know, and you never know what's going to happen. So great job. I have to say great job on sticking it through. But not so much that because he had to fall himself and you let him do that. And that mm-hmm. was hard mm-hmm. while maintaining a relationship with him. Fantastic. Great job. I'm going to give him a round of applause. Because <laughs> okay? I think that's, I, you know, men need that. We do. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're going to make any changes, because um, we men have a, some changes that we need to make when it comes to emotions and expressing our feelings. Um, and understanding mm-hmm. that it's not a weakness. Um, yeah. And if you do think it's a weakness, go ahead and give me a call. It's not a problem. We'll have a talk. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to make you cry. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so I, it goes to show that, you know, 
as long as if we are open-minded and willing, we can get information. We can understand where other people are coming from. And what happens is there's this transition in recovery. We go from having sympathy to having empathy. Mm-hmm. And it's a big difference, especially when you're codependent. You know, yeah. I'm a double dipper too. I'm a coda. <laughs> um, so yeah, that knowing the difference between that can be, can really make a big change. So I, I it's, it totally transforms my life. Um, and I really wouldn't have it any other way. You, you know, the, I feel like, it is helping us to do what we need to do to break that chain of Mm -hmm. trauma, um, repeat trauma in our family. Generational, generational trauma. Yep. Yep. That's it. You know, I know a lot of people doing that in this next generation better be nicer to us. (laughs) We're helping you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I do that with my son. Yeah. I let it. If he is angry, I let him, let him do it. Yeah. Why not? Everybody gets angry. I didn't take no offense. Um, well, before we sign off here, was there anything else you you wanted to say, Doreen? Um, Double check the notes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, there's so much, like you said, it just, I mean, so much yeah. happened in such yeah. a short period of time. But I really think the, the key, Dion, is, um, you know, don't, don't shut them out. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and because, oh, I, I, there is one thing and this kind of highlights that um, my son didn't go. And I, again, everybody's path is different and their needs. Yeah. He did not go to a recovery center. Okay. Um, my youngest struggled. That's a whole other story um, as a wrestler uh, and with anorexia, but mm-hmm. um he too did not go to a recovery center. We did it on our own. Yeah. Um, yeah I support and, all ways of recovery. Yeah. And the, the reason I bring that up though, is because um, I think it's personalities, right? So my oldest said, yep. <laughs> if you had as much as we had all been through and as much trauma as was there, right. Um, some at my hand, um, he said, you were still, to me, my husband, he said, you were still two of the smartest people I knew. Mm-hmm. And he said, and if you would have sent me away, I would have felt hopeless. Because if you didn't know what to do with me, how was then somebody who, else like, going to know? That's and how again, I, that's, I, I'm not yeah. saying every, you know, some people need it. Some people need the, the structure and the, the rigor, um, you know, of a recovery, look, you know, program, um, center mm-hmm. but for him yeah. he didn't need it and i think that's most important is some, that you know it's some people just straighten out um my son did the same thing mm. he didn't go into any kind of treatment he has more time than i do <laughs> well he has five and a half years and wow, just great. uh just had a little baby boy yay orson yay. my fifth grandchild <laughs> So, um, all right. Well, Doreen, thank you very much for being here and taking your, taking your time and, and telling your story. Um, I appreciate you being on and, and doing that for us. Thank you everyone for being a part of today. I hope, 
I hope uh, you are open-minded and willing enough to listen to the message today, even though it might be a little bit different. But the thing is, is uh, if, if there's differences, there's always more things alike, I think is what I'm going for there. Mm-hmm. And if we look for those, then we will find them. Mm-hmm. So whatever we're looking for, we are going to find. Everybody, thank you for being here, for being a part of. I love you all. Peace out and have a day.